Welcome to Faith Walking Conversations. In this episode, Marcos Leon and a group of faith walkers share a time of meditation and learning about practices that can nurture your soul. This week, they focus on the topic soul identity. The soul needs to unmask the false self. This conversation was originally recorded in September of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join the conversation. Gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you I'm gonna look twice at you Welcome to our conversations our meditations, uh, our exploring about these matters of, of the soul and what the Lord uses to nourish and, and sustain our souls. So we are in a, I think it's the fourth conversation um, around soul identity. We have been exploring this for a few weeks already. And uh, we, we talk about this paradox of knowing God and knowing self, you know, and the need of knowing both. We talk about knowing God and, and try to explore what do we mean with that and, you know, what are helpful, helpful ideas around that. And we talk also about uh, what do we mean when we say knowing self. That was our last week, you know, knowing different aspects, knowing ourselves from a safe place and as deeply loved uh, people. And today we're going to talk about the, the need of the soul to unmask the false self. This is part of our conversation and it gets, um, I think it's helpful because in, in one way or another acknowledges the reality of, of a living paradox in us, true self, false self, right? So... Let me let me start. Let's let's start. Probably it's it's better um, to start with that. And, and I, I'm actually Thomas Merton was the one who really coined these terms um, from a spiritual standpoint. There was some work in, in psychology about true and false self, and you can imagine it was a big nuance. But uh, Thomas Merton kind of brings this um, kind of to, to our times as as a the spiritual language, true self and false self. I don't think uh, it will be fair to even pretend to explain true, true self and false self, you know, in, in this session. We, we won't have time. This is a very deep topic, but I want to uh, at least want to give you enough context to maybe to, to, to whet your appetite <laughs> to explore more uh, about this uh, idea of true self and false self. But I'm going to use actually Thomas Merton's words when he talks and he talks about true self and false self in different ways, but uh, these are uh, good uh, quotes of, of, uh, of his work. About the true self, he writes, at the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which is untouched by sin and by illusion, a point of pure truth, a point of or spark which belongs entirely to God which is never at our disposal, which is inaccessible to the fantasies of our own mind or to the brutalities of our own will. It is like a pure diamond 
blazing with the invisible light of heaven. Wow. Now you, you read this, and I don't know what is the impact for you, but I read this and, and, and I have to sit and chew this for a long time. There's something in this that is appealing, that is sort of bearing witness to something deeper in me, and, and, and this is kind of, those are the fringes of, of the spiritual journey. And we, we, we can't conceptually try to pretend, intellectually, to pretend to understand completely what Thomas Merton is saying. He, I think, it speaks in a language that goes beyond the intellect, it speaks to the soul. And what he is saying here, I mean, at least what I get out of here, is that there's something in me that it is God's, purely God's. I, I love especially, it, it, is, it is not touched by, by my illusions, the illusions of, of my great ideas and my great projects about myself. And it is not touched by my own sin, and it is not touched by the brutalities of my will. <laughs> I like that. I can be very brutal with myself at some point. I'm sure I've been. And, um, you know, George McDonough, uh, he actually writes and says, there is a room inside of our hearts with a door that is closed and locked, and it only opens from the inside. <laughs> and that is the room when you meet with God. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same, bearing witness to something. There is something inside of us, original blessing, the design of God for us, the intention of God when God created Marcos. The Marcos before the fall, when everything was good. Not only good, but very good. You see? True self is that answer. It's Christ in me. It's the, it's the self that is being restored by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the work of Jesus in my life. True self. Christ in me. Big self. It's not a God self at all, but it is the self that God created me to be. I connect with God in a very specific way. And Merton says that this is like an immortal diamond or a pure diamond. Can be, it can be messed up with. It is there. It might be discovered, but it cannot be destroyed. And that echoes. Identity, remember we're talking about identity. It has to recognize. This is one side of the paradox, the living paradox that I am. Merton talks also about the false self. He writes, every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. This is the man I want myself to be, <laughs> but cannot exist because God does not know anything about him. And to be unknown of God is altogether too much privacy. <laughs> My false and private self is the one who wants to exist outside of the, of the reach of God's will and God's love. Outside of the reality, or of, of reality, I'm sorry, and outside of life. And such self can, cannot help but be an illusion. Now this is something also to chew on, you know, and touches the other side of me. This person who I want to be. I'm going to say it as, as I get it, is the person I pretend to be. You know, and I'm not trying to be evil or anything like that, but I have noticed in me this reality of, of who taught me to pretend 
to try to use everything and anything to be liked and to be loved and to appear to others and to myself and even to God as the person who is very nice, nice, nice. This is the little Marcos who is a mess, but tries to dress up very nicely and has all the language and knows all the Bible verses even and tries to say, here I am, I'm clean. You know, this is a nice person. It's more than that, but that gives you an idea. I could complete this or, or expand this by telling you this is the self also of your first formation in those parts of your formation where you were not formed according to the image of Christ. We all have some of those. Some of us have some traumatic experiences. Some of us don't have any trauma, but we have experiences where we were formed by experiences, by, by, by people, by circumstances of life. When we learn not to be like Christ, we learn to, to lie, we learn to pretend, we learn to, to, to try to look good and, and not look, look bad, right? So false self, as Merton describes especially, is an illusion. There's an author called James Finley, and he says that the false self is the reflection that I have in the mirror. And he has a really good talk. He says that it's like if that reflection one says, this is me, I'm real. I'm real. I have decided I am real, so I'm going to take life on myself. But it, it is not. It's the reflection of something else. And sometimes the reflection gets us into some illusion about who we are and who we are not. I, I get that this is a longer concept. Let me try to move forward in the hopes that our conversation will bring more light about it. Okay? So we are saying that soul identity, uh, a need, the soul needs to unmask the false self. And I want to start even, that title sounds a little bit forceful. You know, I'm going to unmask my false self. Uh, I don't know if that works really well, you know. And what comes to me, it won't be by power, you know, by authority, but it will be by, I'm sorry, it won't be by force. Uh, but it will be by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It will be the gentleness of God. Actually, I would say even it will be the, the love of God and masking the little fig leaves that I have covered myself with to try to pretend that I'm not naked, right? What are the challenges of this false self? The first one, and there are several, but I'm going to mention a few. The first one is that this is a self of self-deception. And this is not that you wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning and you say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to deny who I am. I'm going to try to, to, to not know who I am. I'm going to try to deceive myself. No. But it is an unconscious self that is pretending to be something that is not. And, and it is a learned self that we have practice and, and work in so many ways, in so many aspects and fronts of life. Um, I'm going to put this, this, this example. So this is the self, let's say that there is a reality of us, you know, need, vulnerability and shame. And there is a way that we learn usually when we were kids, right? Uh, how to deal with that reality by pretending, you know, there was no malice that we were just trying to fit in. So we pretend not to be this, not to be vulnerable. So you see there's kind of two realities. Marcos vulnerable. I have many examples. And there's the reality of Marcos that as a kid, I tried to pretend to be in front of my friends, my family, so I will be accepted. Right? But the problem is 
At that moment, maybe I was very clear of this distinction, but as I practice and practice and practice these things, this is what happens. These two selves merge and they became one in my mind. It, and usually it is the picture of my false self. All the stories that I told, told about myself became the reality for myself. That's what I mean about self-deception. So it really takes the work of God, the help of God, the help of the Spirit for us to be able to see what is truth, to go beyond the self-deception. And let me tell you something, if I can, and there is completely no judgment into this, but it's very good to know. There's a lot of self-deception, deception, I'm sorry, that can be empowered by um, devotion, by religion. Think of the, of the Pharisees, the times of Jesus. I even think that they were wake, waking up at five in the morning and say, we want to be just evil. <laughs> I think that they were, you know, really sincerely confused. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. I'm so afraid that if I will be there, I will be one of them. I will wake up at five in the morning to pray to God to, to be the best that I can and not see Jesus and actually be against Jesus. So you see, self-deception. And Jesus has words. That's not, I cannot generalize with all of them, but I want you to give you the extent. And, and a little bit, the, uh, there is an author, I think it's the same David Benner. I'm not really sure right now. It might be Robert McMahon-Holland who talks about the, the religious false self. Oh my gosh. It's like it give you a little slap in your face, you know, because it really makes you think how sometimes the self-deception is so tied to even scripture. So I'm, I won't go deeper than that, but that is one challenge. Another challenge is this, this is a self life practice being for a very long time. <laughs> you know, you have like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years of practice all my life. So I've learned and practiced this. It's very unconscious. It's second nature. In faith walking, we, we talked uh, about being unconscious competent. <laughs> so we are very competent unconsciously to be this false self. You know, again, we're not trying to, 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 to hurt anybody, much less us. But it is the self, our first formation. And since being kids, we are perfecting this way of being. This is a self that protects itself. Yeah, because it was created to protect itself. Think of the analogy and, and, and the book of, of David Benner, The Gift of Yourself, is really good in talking about Adam and Eve, you know, and this analogy with the serpent in the, the narrative of Genesis, you know. It's a self that is really re reflected by the, by the fig leaves that Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with. Right? It's trying to protect its nakedness because it's so afraid to be naked. It's so afraid to be vulnerable. It's so afraid to be seen as it really is than creates work, titles, um, skills, I don't know, whatever, you, you feel it. Anger, <laughs> you know, humor, um, anything else to cover and try to say, this is who I am. I am this, I'm, I'm, I'm a good attorney, or I'm, I'm a good faith walker. <laughs> I'm a good spiritual man. You know, those could be the same fig leaves I'm covering. And it's protecting itself. So it's not evil. It's just trying to protect itself. And it's also a self that works. 
in some extent it works and that is the problem it worked when i was a kid it protected me it made me feel loved it made me feel better you know the the great worker the performer is loved because of his performance oh my gosh and since it worked it's very hard to to unroot because it's very scary not to have it and the truth is that we we are given the things that we think that we will lost we will lose our false self it is kind of a paradox thing. so it's challenging the point i want to make is is challenging i have to be really wanting to face it uh, what i will say is um Related to the last point, a self that, that works in some extent in our lives. I've done several people, not not many, people who come uh, through free walking uh, or, or counseling, and actually they don't want to change. And, and I'm not judging at all. You know, life is working. If it is working, then why to change, right? The only problem is that this self, the false self, works in some extent. It might work for 60 years. There's a moment when you discover that you really and honestly cannot love like you love, want to love, and there's, or there's this anger problem or this other problem in, re in your relationship or in your character, and suddenly, oh my gosh, that brings you to a place of this is not working, something needs to change. But the false self has been created to help you work and function in the world. So it's challenging, okay? So... We want to unmask that, right? But I have to also face uh, the reality that this false self is the self of a sinner. <laughs> and this word sinner just triggers probably different things in us, right? I don't know what triggers in you. I, I wouldn't uh, imagine what, what, what kind of trigger, but this is the false self that um, is masked and, and kind of connected with a lot of sin. Ah, this is the tension, right? The tension that we have between grace and truth and sin and Jesus and the love of God and the need of sanctification. So I know I'm talking about a, a tension that is real in, in our lives and there are many op uh, opinions or interpretations of it. But, but let's be curious and let's start with an honest awareness of our automatic first reactions, I call it that way, our first motivations to different circumstances of life. You know, this is part of the work that we do in faith walking, but we, like we call it habitual disobedience. And again, there's no judgment and no condemnation. Remember last week we talked about that. First, I need to know myself as a deeply loved self. So the reminder is that the love of God is on my stake. But if the love of God is on my stake, what I will say, what is my first reaction? What is my first motivation to simple things? And I don't know you, I, I'm gonna talk about me really, but I have in mind right now an experience in which I receive an email and you know that email came from a person and there was a context of that relationship that was not easy, it was challenging, right? It was a story and a meaning that I have made about this person and the relationship that we had. And let me tell you, as soon as I saw that email, uh, inside of me was like this. Uh, and I can tell you that maybe in a nanosecond, I have about five judgments, really five opinions, five pointing the finger, why this email is here. 
<laughs> and I haven't even started reading it. And as I read, it didn't change a lot. Ah, here you go. Here you go. Just evidence of me being right and this person being wrong. <laughs> and, you know, it took me a little bit of, of time after reading that and taking a deep breath and, and allowing the love of God coming to me and telling me, you know, Marcos, I love you. Dear son, <laughs> my beloved son, I love you. I'm proud of you, not for right now, but I'm proud of you because I know that you're really trying. <laughs> right? To tell me about now. Let's consider what's going on. Have you seen what is in your heart? And you, you, you get the point, right? It took a second review of the email to be more neutral, to be more open, to really listen or read what the person was saying without judging. Not judgment, no condemnation, but I'm learning. So this is the point that, that I have to start with the honesty. Lord, I don't know where did I learn to judge. I don't know where did I learn to point my finger towards. I don't know where did I learn to lie or whatever it is. What I have to admit today is that in many cases, my first reaction is not the reaction that I would like to have. I really, maybe, you know, I made progress in some area and I'm getting some breakthroughs there, but there are other areas. I mean, if somebody crosses the car, you know, I'm driving and, you know, gets in my way, you know, my first reaction is pretty harsh. That is the false self, the sinner. Do you see the scene there? The sin is not only about morality. It's, it's about not loving my, my neighbor, not loving myself. Anyway, enough with that. But I have to start knowing that there is that. So, Paul, this is very famous, and we all know it, right? Romans 7, 14, 15, the New Living Translation reads, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is a spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. The progression of this conversation, it takes us to Paul saying, um, thanks God for Christ. <laughs> thanks God. And that should take us there. Thanks God for Christ. I cannot do this. There is a false self in me that has, uh, is a slave to sin. So he's a sinner, you know. Doesn't, it doesn't diminish, it doesn't diminish my, my, my diamond, <laughs> my true self, actually just brings the evidence of the paradox in me. So what we could say, I'm not only a sinner, what about a deeply beloved sinner, right? Yeah. Kids are, are a good example like that. I don't like some things that my kids do, but I love them. Doesn't mean that there are no consequences. There are. But love is never at stake. A distinction between sin and sinner is helpful. So this is, this is a tension that I cannot fully resolve. I don't know how you're doing trying to resolve that tension, but I haven't been able to resolve. Actually, the, the parable of, of, the, of the weed and weeds has been helpful for me. I feel God is speaking to me and saying, Marcos, somehow, the, you, you know the parable, right? The kingdom of God is like a field, and the, the owner of the field uh, uh, is sowing uh, wheat, but 
it comes an enemy in the night and, and put some weeds and the next day they are, or the next time they are growing together and, and they ask the, the owner of the field, should we separate them now? And he says, you know, no, right now, no, let them grow together. One day that separation is going to be pure, done, perfect. But today is where I find myself. This is not um, justification for sin, okay? I'm not going to that extreme. I'm saying there is a tension, and I'm in the middle of that tension, and in the only one who holds me in that tension is Jesus. So what is the impact of ignoring this tension, right? If you go on to one side and you say, uh, my gosh, we don't need to talk about sin at all. Jesus made it all. This is pure grace. Well, this is a consequence. You know, you cannot live that way. This is pretty hard. The other side of the tension is when you kind of set the identity of, of, of your, your identity in being just an, only a sinner. Doesn't work either. You know, the, the prodigals. And, and the brother, I mean, the, you know, there are so many riches. We live in attention, and sometimes we are one, and sometimes we are another. But we have to understand that the false self is connected with all those things that we don't want to sometimes talk. Sometimes we pray for them and fast for them and promise that we never do it, but sometimes it's not working well. We come back to that. So, the suggestion here uh, is that I must explore the sin behind my sin. Right? So there's something deeper than just this, this bad fruit that is, is I'm, I'm bearing sometimes in some areas of my life. If, if we are only trying to uh, do this, this management of sin, you know, management behavior, I think that is something that Dallas Wheeler writes about, you know, we have made uh, our spirituality just a manage, management of sin. What is behind that? What is the trunk? What is the root of, of what's going on? You know, what is the root of this either addiction or this anger? What is the root of this um, compulsion? What is the root of that? So a few, a few things that are helpful. I, I, I don't pretend... Uh, develop uh, these ones, but they are so very good tools that helps us to, unfa or to unveil what is behind of our sin, what is in our, the essence of our false self. One, uh, you may have heard about Thomas, Father Thomas Keating, you know, and he has a very good work centered in prayer, but he says that we have all need for survival, right? There's a, an, an in, in, inherent uh, need for uh, protection and that we're always trying to to survive and to protect ourselves and he says that there are another set of needs that are related with affection we would want to be loved and not be rejected and there's another need that are about power and control we want to somehow know that there is we are in control of our lives that's one way and he, he says that we create scripts during our childhood and our life scripts that somehow are trying to warrant or provide those needs that we have that are deep in us. Survival, affection, power, and control. And those are the scripts that we keep rehearsing in life. This is a great tool to wonder what is behind my sin? What is the need that is unmet that needs to be met? 
It is, it is affection. It is intimacy. Or it is control. And all of this is helpful. Faith walking is another great, I would say, process. We use the language of vows, negative vows that we make in the first formation experiences. We, we give them meanings. And we use these meanings and we make vows. And those are kind of the scripts that Thomas Keating is talking about. And we, we become aware of these things. We start being able to, to make positive declarations, to find out guiding principles and somehow to, not maybe not at the first reaction, but soon to come back to the, to the self that we want to be, to the true self, right? Like you could say the true self is going to be reflected in my guiding principles, in my positive declarations. Faith walking is a tool. The Enneagram, famous. Enneagram. It has been extremely helpful for me. It's extremely helpful for me in counseling. When I talk with people and I really need to be present to give the best that I can, usually I start with the Enneagram. I invite them to, to do the, the whole test and I get all the, the proportion. I have a sense of who I'm talking with. Right? Because what is the point of talking with the false self? And I, I'm always talking with the false self, but, but I want to see the true self so I can call it out. Right. Anyway, different ways that I can use to explore what is the scene behind my scenes. And you know what I mean. What is the root? What is behind of me? few ideas. My brokenness has been constructed over many years. So this is not just a, you know, a brokenness that happened this morning. Usually it is connected with my first formation. I cannot not <laughs> look back, my childhood. It is also connected with my view of self, my, my perception of myself. You know, I'm loved, I'm not, I'm good, I'm not. It has to, to do also with my view of God. And my gosh, we have a lot to explore there. What is the view of God, the functional view of God that we have? It is love or it is not love. And the exploration of that is very impactful. And it's connected with my view of the world. What is this world? Is it safe? Is it something that the Lord loved? Or is it just a horrible place where people are going to eat each other like wolves? You have even philosophy streams in all of this, right? But uh, my brokenness is, is something deeper in me. My brokenness is somehow connected also with an existential lack of trust in God's ability to be there for me. And let me tell you, behind my vows, behind my, my need for survival, affection, power and control, behind all the, the nine types of the Enneagram, I could say, and this is me speaking, Marcus is speaking, that we all share the fellowship of that uh, there is a lack of trust that God is going to do it for us. Either God is going to provide, or God is going to protect us, or, or God is going to make us happy. You know, some of us really can think everything about God, but, you know, something little me, false self me, doesn't believe that God is going to make me happy, satisfy me. have to remember some 103, right? He satisfies my soul. I have to remember that. But it's not easy. So 
to unmask my false self, I need to explore not only my sin, but what is behind my sin. And this is work, friends. This is work. And this is the work that is led by the Spirit of God that is living in us. Thanks God is not only work that we do alone. This is not self-therapy of self-help. This is a partnership with the Spirit of God to see myself. God is going to reveal myself as I am, as naked as I am. <laughs> that hurts in a way. But he does it so he can reveal his love for me as I am. And that, that is healing. Okay, last point. I'm masking the false self. How do we do that, Marcos? Okay, thank you for all the, all the, the ideas. But how do you do that? Well, it requires a radical encounter with the truth. Truth. Jesus is truth. Life. The past. The way. You need authenticity, vulnerability. You need courage to face yourself, and you need humility to face yourself. It requires, requires also trust in God's love. Friends, that's the safe place. If I don't have that, if this is about judgment, forget it. You want your soul. Somebody writes, the soul is shy. You know, very shy. If it is not a safe space, the soul is not going to show up <laughs> in a way, right? It's going to be hidden there, scared. So the God, God's love is important. Only love sustains us and allows God to reveal what we that we are naked. Only God can clothe us again. It requires detachment from, from our false self, so reattachment in God or with God can take place. Okay? This idea, this word of detachment, my false self is attached, addicted to himself or to itself. You know, I don't want to let that. I mean, those, those attachments are too big. And what I want is not to be attached with my image of myself, but to be attached with God, the image of God. So, especially David Venner gave us a, a good a good path to, to walk. I'm going to briefly say it. First, we, we this is the work of self-awareness. And again, this is not self-awareness for the sake of just my effort for self-awareness. This is with God, okay? Self-awareness with God. This is the Holy Spirit and me. The openness to recognize my own defensiveness. Those are the places where I need to start looking at. When you get triggered, when you get defensive, you might be outside, you might look very nice and nothing is happening, but inside you know when you get defensive. Or it might be the opposite, suddenly you are yelling. <laughs> where is this anger coming from? All are those things that are, you are trying to protect yourself from something. You need the help of God to explore what is there. And when you get to that place of, of nakedness, you know, it's very vulnerable. That's what you're trying to protect yourself. That is what you need to present to God. Not that idea. You need to present, be presented to God right there, naked. Stay there. That's what David Brennan tells us. Start by a prayer. Start kind of digging in those places that hurt, of self-defensiveness, of fear. And when you get to the fear of fears, don't rush. Don't fix it. Don't don't give it away. Stay there. See yourself in that fear, naked, and think that God is seeing you. That seeing is healing. So this is not a healing that comes um, by um, a concept. 
an idea. This is a healing that takes place like like uh, when the sun comes out and shines on on a leaf of a tree and brings life to the tree. You know, is is the being seen? Is the light? Is the power of being exposed to God? So that love heals. Other part that David Benner suggests is the recognition of my compulsions. So I don't have any compulsion. Great. <laughs> I do. I I clean a lot. You know, and I have noticed how much that is an effort to control my world. This is an example. I, clean. I prepare a lot. Ah, let's explore what's behind that. You see, nothing of that is necessarily bad, but you have to explore what's behind that. So, defensiveness and compulsions. What are your addictions? There's a beautiful book from uh, Gerard May that says, um, Addictions and Grace. <laughs> he says, we're addicted. All of us are addicted to something. What are you addicted to? You might be addicted to some good thing. Just explore what is behind that. I, I really don't know anything about you, but I invite you to open your heart to the spirit to explore that. Okay, time. So let me just finish with this quote, David Benner. I love uh, how clear he puts this. Genuine self-knowledge is available to all who, first, genuinely desire. You know, you have to be wanting to see yourself. Second, to those who are willing to prayerfully reflect on their experience. This is work of, of reflection with God, journaling, talking about it, thinking about it. And third, for those who have the courage to meet themselves and go in solitude. Do you have? It's a great way to put it. You need those three things. And you need God. You cannot do it yourself. But I believe that that is a path of formation, spiritual formation. And what that does is restores our identity into this identity of a true self. Let's stop right there. I invite you to, to use these last minutes to tell me what are you pressing to. I'll start. I'm I'm thinking of how it takes often a um, something really hard in our lives to bring us to the point of being willing. Looking at your last point on unmasking requires a radical encounter with truth, authenticity, and vulnerability, courage, and humility. I mean. We could just camp out on that for a really long time. <laughs> um, it's you mentioned the person that is not even aware of unmasking themselves until they get maybe you know old and older and realize that it it's not working for them. And um, yeah, that's yeah. I think we have to come to the end of ourselves before we even realize this is something that needs to be addressed. Hmm. Yeah. 
That's great, Trish. And that we cannot do it because we have been trying to do it. That's right. And I think too, I I think like even in settings like what we have today, um, doing this kind of work, obviously the Holy Spirit is the one that has to do it. But oftentimes we need another person to come alongside of us to encourage us or, you know, give us direction because it's hard work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We are not met there or this is not a project that we can say, okay, tonight or this week or this year, let's say this year I'm going to do this. We, we might start and thanks God that um, there's a, 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 the, the reality of, of that space with, with myself in, in introspection and this need to express and articulate to this to another person and that is like breathing in and breathing out mm-hmm. you know I need both I cannot just breathe out breathe out breathe out <laughs> breathing 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 is the rhythm you see that in Jesus Jesus being vulnerable Jesus is speaking Jesus inviting others to pray for him in moments of, of need And you have to also recognize that, hey, if we are not intentional, I don't know, you have to be a very specially gifted person, I don't know, to, to seek this. Because everything else in our culture, and please don't take it, I'm not judging, but everything else is about, you don't need to do that work. Yeah? You don't need to do it. You know, you, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Everybody's kind of, mess up and I think even more in our culture there's so many things that keep us distracted not just it's not telling us just that we're okay it's like it gets to be at such a frenetic pace that we don't even think and that's again that's why I think we have to come to a really a lot of us have to come to really the end of ourselves to say stop Or we can pray and say, Lord, if, if, if I happen to be into this conversation, not necessarily this group, but I happen to stumble into this, would you? Are you showing me? I have a good friend who says, Lord, bend me, but don't break me, <laughs> please. She says, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. This is a good picture, you know, Lord, you're showing me here I am. I wanted to say just a couple of things. I mean, my, uh, I have found uh, faith walking, you know, through the last several years to be very helpful in this area. And, um, and it's, it's very freeing. I I mean, my response is one of freedom. Uh, The more I'm free, from that false self, um, I mean, that, that's a, a marvelous thing. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, this, this is very positive. Um, but I also recognize it's ongoing. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I feel like I've made a lot of progress, but then something will come up in my life and I go, oh, <laughs> You know, I mean, there, there's more there uh, to deal with. 
and um, you know, but I guess because I've had such a positive experience so far, it I I go okay. Well, there's more freedom to be found, and that's a good thing. Yes, yes, excellent. So, and, and you know, we we say often you need a push and a pull. Right, the push is the impact of the false self in your life. Oh my gosh, something needs to change. This is not going to work. But the pull is the possibility of the true self in your life. Oh my gosh, what if, what if this freedom in Christ will be more incarnated in? What if that pulls me? That is the invitation of Jesus. Jesus is not pushing us. Jesus is beckoning us. Follow me. All that you see me doing, you can do. Courage. Real courage in Jesus. Not superhero courage. Real courage in Jesus, not in me. Thanks God, I don't need to be super courageous because I am not. <laughs> but Jesus, courage in me. Humility, oh my God, I don't have any. Look at me, humble. Come, follow me. That is the beckoning of Jesus. Beautiful. And it's a process. And there's a moment when I guess we can be okay knowing that that is the real path. Perfection is not the end right now. Progress. Excellent. Thank you, friends. Such deep thoughts. And Judy. I just wanted to say thank you. There's a lot to think about here. I'm going to go for a walk and ponder. Yeah. And just let me finish with that. You know, actually, the, the self that is trying to fix this and figure this out, if you allow me to say, is your false self. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it's not only, I mean, there is, there is a desire, you know, I say that the, the very witness of this is your true self. You know, somebody's inside of you is saying, this is it. There's something that is echoing, it's touching something deep. But then, I'm going to talk about me. There is this Marco that says, okay, let's do it, Lord. You know, and I start the project. Usually that is the false self. One day at a time. I, what is helpful for me to think, and I'm so clearly lately, uh, you know, touched by the, by the birth and the, and the pregnancy and the process and the labor. God knows, you know, let yourself be taken. I think the, the only response is a cosmic, yes, take me there, right? And one day at a time, and Jesus says that, right? Every day, one anxiety at a time. <laughs> you have enough anxiety for one day, don't, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, friends. Let me... Share one more time my my screen to reflect that blessing that um, also give us that certainty that it is God in us, even in the false self, loving us, loving us, and loving us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. peace.
For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us/donate. Thank you for listening. Until I see the Christ in you. Till I'm looking through the eyes of love. Till I'm looking through the eyes of